It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Upfront program. John Brian is your host, and he's in studio, and he'll be with you in a few moments, providing he's prepared for today's show. Are you all set to go, uh, sir? Ready to go. I'm chomping at the bit, Mr. Bouchard. Okay, well, we'll move it right along here. And um, the first order of business is uh, to chat with uh, Mr. Robert Martin, who is the uh, broker owner of Crossroads Real Estate Group on Park Avenue. Mr. Martin, good morning to you. Good morning, Mr. Bouchard. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Do you know much about uh, real estate transactions when it comes to condominiums? Because we have a condominium question this morning. Right. I think I do, seeing I, I've been living in one for 26 years. Yeah, so that qualifies you. Okay, then I'm going to proceed with this program, all right? It says here, okay. all right, my, my wife and I are in a contract to purchase a condo. We were pre-approved. The lender has just denied the mortgage based on information that they received from the condo association. We don't understand why, and I was wondering if you, Bob, could explain why this uh, might have happened. Yes, it, and actually it's, it's not that unusual, uh, depending on the complex. Um, when you're buying a condominium, unlike a single-family home or even a two-family that, you, that the buyer can totally controls. You're just buying an undividable share in, in the condominium. So if there's 100 units, you own 1%. Um, a lender, even though the buyer is very well qualified, understands that the buyer cannot control the, the physical well-being of that condo or budgets or whatnot. So one of the first things that they do is they request of the condo association a what they call a condo questionnaire. And that, that questionnaire asks a number of questions. Um, are there any special assessments that would, be, that would mean that there's repairs that are needed but there's not enough money in the pot? Are you reserving part of the condo fee? Is there money being put away for future repairs? How many uh, units are owner-occupied and how many are rentals? Uh, any pending lawsuits. Uh, so there's, there's uh, a number of those questions. So right now, to get, let's say, a conventional mortgage where someone could get 30-year fixed and it can be sold on the secondary market, the percentage of renters has to be below 50%. So in this particular case, and I don't know the complex, it may be above that. That would automatically remove them, uh, the lender, from the particular program. So when it's something like that, not to say that they would not, you know, maybe they don't have another program, but what we call at that point, we have to go with a non-conforming product, which means you won't get a 30-year mortgage. You probably have to go to some place that will give you uh, a variable rate or fixed rate for five years, something that they will keep in-house. So there are a number of variables uh, the other one would be the master insurance policy. Um, there's a particular lender I know that um, a couple of years ago in the complex I live in didn't like the insurance policy, and they refused to buy it. Uh, I was able to put them with another lender that um, didn't 
you know, accepted the policy. So all is not lost for this gentleman. But if, in fact, um, it's a very high percentage of renters, if there are no reserves, that's usually two of the three kisses of death. Uh, so they're not rejecting him. And if he went to a different complex, uh, they probably would, um, you know, approve it. Um, I have to tell you, I have a listing right now in a complex. I know right off the bat, and I, I showed it multiple times yesterday. I said it's not going to be conventional financing. I absolutely know there's no lender out there that's going to give you a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage at the best rate because of the conditions. Doesn't make it a bad place, but it's just the way they are. So, uh, and if they were going, for instance, FHA, it may not be FHA approved. So, basically, if you're well qualified, um, you also have to get by the, the test that the condominium complex is acceptable to the lender. They should not take it personal. Um, they may be able to go to a different lender, as I said, pay a little bit higher rate, not get the 30-year fixed. Um, but um, if that is also not the case, um, I wouldn't, you know, throw in the towel. Um, I would look to purchase in a different a different complex. So, all right. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty much what condo is all about. All right. It's not as clean a transaction as regular. Uh, uh, no, there's a lot of other ifs, ands, and buts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that's one of the reasons we uh, have you here to uh, clarify these things for us. Thank you, Bob, and always a pleasure chatting with you. And they can reach you at, um, as uh, usual, 766-7545, extension 111, right? You got it. Okay. Thank th you very much. Thank you, Bob. And have a good week. Will do. That's Bob Martin on our live line with our real estate question of the week. We're going to have a commercial message, and then Mr. John Brian takes over the microphone. Hi, my name is Kim Garno, and I'm a Reiki master practitioner and owner of Kiem Healing. Reiki comes from two words, Rei, meaning God's wisdom, and Ki, meaning life force energy. By unblocking poor circulation flow, your body's energy can flow as it should. Reiki provides healing energy in a natural, holistic way through light massage. Reiki relieves anxiety and stress, fosters a better night's sleep, relaxes sore muscles, balances the body's energy and adapts to your individual needs. Reiki is recognized by major hospitals throughout the United States for promoting healing. Call for an appointment at 401-769-0438. We are located at 86 Bellingham Street in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Blessings to you and good health. Call Kim at KM Healing for your consultation or appointment at 769-0438. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. And we are back with the panel here on the Upfront Show on 1380 AM, 99.9 FM. WNRI, it's a Friday, a beautiful Friday out there after a very rainy Thursday. So enjoy this uh, beautiful weather today, this start to this weekend. And uh, it's really sad, isn't it? Unofficially, we're in fall, and I can't stand that. I can't stand the thought of all the pumpkin ads and Dunkin' Donuts pumpkins, as you hear out there constantly, and everything pumpkin, everything fall. I want to go back to 4th of July, but we have to play the card we're dealt. 
So we'll enjoy the God-given day today, and I want to say thank you for joining me here on the Upfront Show. My name is John Brian. I am your Friday host, and we have a lot to cover here today, but I think we have some major issues here to cover. And the first, I think, will be... We're going to switch things up a little bit. Usually I'll do local, state, and national. We're going to go right into national because of the big news that occurred yesterday. And that was a a reading off of a teleprompter by uh, the president. He did appear. He read off his teleprompter when it was time to take questions. Of course, he turned his back and walked away, took no questions. Made several pronouncements, as usual. and uh, And here are just some of them. A sweeping policy that he's going to try to implement. Yesterday, the Biden administration, the president himself, announced that he's asked the Department of Labor to issue an emergency rule requiring all employers, all employers, that includes private employers, of course, with 100 or more employees to ensure that their workforce is fully vaccinated or require any unvaccinated workers to produce a negative COVID test at least once a week. The requirement could carry a $14,000 fine per violation and would affect two-thirds of the country's workforce. Employees working in healthcare facilities that receive Medicare or Medicaid reimbursement will also be required to be vaccinated. And a move that will impact 7 million workers at 50,000 healthcare provider locations. The president went on to say something which I found remarkable, and I will make some comments about this a little bit later. But this is a quote from President Biden. Let me be blunt. My plan also takes on elected officials and states that are undermining you in these life-saving actions. If these governors won't help us beat the pandemic, I will use my power as president to get them out of the way. Certainly, what he's talking about are some of the, uh, the states out there, such as Texas, Florida, and South Dakota. And already, Governors DeSantis of Florida, Christy Nome of South Dakota, and uh, Greg Abbott of Texas have joined a group of Republican governors vowing to combat President Biden's federal vaccine mandate. Again, President Biden mandating a vaccine for, uh, for, federal, uh, for, for federal workers and also for private employers of more than 100. Can he do it? Well, that's a question that I have this morning. And... Oh, I'm going to have, I usually don't have guests on my show, but I do have a guest this morning. He is the municipal court judge here in the city of Woonsocket, Tom Dickinson, an esteemed attorney here uh, uh, in Rhode Island, uh, uh, a very uh, important member of the Rhode Island Bar, and probably one of the most accomplished and intelligent attorneys that I've met in my lifetime. So I want to ask him. What he thinks of what happened yesterday from a purely legal standpoint. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for calling in this morning. Good morning, John. Thank you for that introduction. Oh, of course. Uh, and, it's, and it is of, uh, very well-deserved. Well, I appreciate that. And I, and I have to ask you, on a, on a purely legal level, and by the way, there was one thing I left out 
about the uh, Biden mandate that came out yesterday. The United States Postal Service, which has got tens of thousands, more than 100,000 workers, is left out of this mandate for no good reason. And so I ask you, uh, Tom Dickinson, from a legal standpoint, can he do this? Well, I think that part of it presents a real problem for him because, you know, the way they're doing this under the Occupational Safe and Health, Safety and Health, Health Act, the OSHA, is they're calling it an emergency temporary uh, status or, or order, which requires the showing of an emergency. Now, I think we can all agree that, you know, back at the end of 2019 and early 2020, no one would disagree that we had an emergency, and we do in some sense have an emergency now. But why in the world, you know, are we doing this 18 months or almost two years into the into the situation and and sidestepping the ordinary rulemaking procedure for OSHA, which would have required hearings and testimony from experts and an evaluation of what the economic impact would be on small businesses. And frankly, you know, I think some of these state governors may see this as causing economic disruptions within their states because how is this going to be enforced? Are, are these, you know, large employers who have the numbers of employees who may be objecting to the, to the vaccination, are they going to be fined $14,000 per employer or per employee, per employee per day? Are people going to be fired because of this? I mean, there's, there's really no, no definition on, on what its scope is. And so we will see challenges. I think you may have mentioned some of the states are challenging. I, I, I did hear that the governor of South Dakota has got something already teed up to file within the next couple of days. And, and just kind of walk us through that. That what what does that look like when 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 they say, oh well, this, the governor say, well we're going to engage in a legal challenge for what does that what does that mean? What are the steps that 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 are taken, and what does a legal challenge mean for this type of mandate? And does it stop it in its tracks almost immediately? Well, I, w- I would expect what they'll do is go to go to federal court in their in their local state and ask a judge to enjoin it because it's it's not in compliance with the Administrative Procedures Act for promulgating regulations. You know, we saw a lot of challenges during the Trump administration to some of his executive orders based on allegations that he wasn't following administrative procedures. So I think we're going to see the same thing here, even though they're trying to do it under OSHA's emergency powers. They, they still have to show that it's an emergency and that it meets the definition of an emergency, of an emergency. Uh, and I think they, I think they're going to have problems with that in terms of the government, the government defending it is going to have problems with that. So we may see a federal district judge enjoining it, uh, you know, in the first phase. And then obviously it would work its way up through the federal system, through the courts of appeals and then possibly to the U.S. Supreme Court. And there's a real question in general about OSHA's broad powers over, you know, local employers, which I think will also come up in this context. So OSHA, in its typical and and what most people understand about OSHA is that OSHA will make sure that there's no lead in the pipes at an employer, make sure that it's a safe workplace, make sure that people are wearing harnesses, et cetera, et cetera. When has OSHA ever been in or if ever has ever been in the medical field or had to do medical things enforce medical tests i mean is this total new ground for that for that administration i i think it is and you know another interesting point john in, in the way they've described this regulation 
is I haven't heard anything about an exception for people who have a natural immunity because they had COVID before. And we do hear that, you know, there is a natural immunity that you get because you've had it. Well, this regulation seems to say you've got to be vaccinated anyway. And, you know, maybe that's not a silly thing to do if you've had it before. But, but should they really be required to have it again? And if you have somebody who's had it and, and they haven't had the vaccination, you're going to fine that employer $14,000 for that? And how is OSHA, as you say, how are they going to enforce this? You know, this isn't a simple situation of going out to make sure, you know, there are enough fire exits in the building or, or the, uh, you know, the pipes are clean or anything like that. I mean, are they going to be looking at people's health records within the employer's personnel files? And, you know, do we have enough, do we have enough tests? Because one of the outs, supposedly, is you can take a test every seven days if you haven't been vaccinated. Do, are, will there be enough tests? I just saw something about, you know, a couple million tests that are going to be made available uh, by the federal government. Well, a couple million tests are not, are not going to be enough to meet the needs of this regulation. So what's an employer supposed to do if they can't even get the tests? Have you ever seen in your lifetime this type of governmental overreach into private industry and this even the suggestion I mean, you've got in the past when you had wartime uh, in, in World War II, everybody was, you know, working towards the wartime effort. I, and that was voluntary, of course, because that sure. was something that was something you wanted to help your country. I think during the, the height of the pandemic, you had manufacturers such as Ford uh, creating, you know, stopping production on vehicles and making masks and, and respirators and other things. But that was voluntary. Have you ever seen this type of mandate coming from the federal government in the United States towards private business? I think it is unprecedented, John. And, you know, I, I, I mean, nobody disputes that, that there are good reasons to have the vaccine. Uh, but the question is, should the government be taking this kind of a step, commandeering private employers, putting them in a position where they have to give employees time, extra time off, uh, you know, to have the vaccine, to get tested, and then enforcing that with this kind of repressive fine, I, I mean, I, I think it, I think it is unprecedented. <clears throat> and what are the effects going to be on on the economies of some of these, some of these, uh, you know, cities and towns that have, you know, maybe have a large single employer is their is their most important employer, and then that employer gets shut down or or, or has tremendous losses because of the inability to comply with this new rule. I, I mean, I I don't think they've foreseen that in. Or maybe they have and they don't particularly care. I, I don't know. So in the end, what do you think, if you had to look into your crystal ball, what do you think will ultimately happen with this proposed mandate? I think what will happen in the near term is I think somewhere one of these governors will be successful in getting it enjoined in their locality, in their state. And I think then it will work its way up through the system. And through most of the early stages of the pandemic, I think we can agree that the U.S. Supreme Court was fairly deferential to the executive branch in, you know, regulatory situations in order to try to stem the pandemic. But the judges, we, as we saw, were becoming a lot more skeptical of so-called emergencies and, and uh, regulations and rules that, that were promulgated without following the ordinary processes. So I think it I think it is at risk in the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, 
if, if it's if it's challenged and if, if they can succeed in getting a lower court judge to enjoin it. So I guess my final question is, let's say South Dakota, Christy Nome's able to get it get it uh, and it enjoined in this way here. It's stopped in the state of South Dakota. Now, will that have a ripple effect uh, for all the other states? Will this kind of will, will it put it uh, stop it in its tracks in that moment? Or does every state have to now use the example? Well, South Dakota got got and uh, got it enjoined. And so now we want it to or will that automatically do it uh, for all the states. Well, as you probably remember, there have been some controversies about so-called nationwide injunctions issued by district court judges in one state that have application throughout the country. I don't know whether that's what Governor Nome would be asking for, but it is possible that a district court judge could do that, even though it's raised in South Dakota, the judge could issue an injunction preventing OSHA from enforcing it anywhere. And I think that would, you know, that would get the thing up to the Supreme Court much more quickly, I would think. Um, or it might be that a judge in South Dakota or Florida or wherever uh, issued a limited injunction and then other states would have to try to follow along with that. We're going to see there's certainly going to be ongoing controversy about this, John. Unprecedented legal times. Well, I can't thank you enough. The Honorable Tom Dickinson, thank you for being with us, and I certainly hope it was a great uh, informative uh, call this morning, and I really hope that you'll join us again sometime soon. Thanks, John. Happy to do it. Have a good day. Thank you very much. And I really appreciated Tom coming on this morning. Again, as I said, he is uh, one of the, the best lawyers in the state of Rhode Island, an incredible legal mind. And, and as soon as this happened yesterday, he's the first person I thought of to have on our show to help you, to help educate you and to let you know where uh, he thinks this is going. I wanted to talk to Tom on a, on a legal basis. I wanted him to tell you what he thought legally, but now I'm going to tell you what I think politically. Number one, you may not be aware of this. The federal government is saying that if you have 100 employees or more, we're going to force them to get vaccinations and tests or you'll face fines. Well, guess what? This plan does not include forced vaccinations for illegal immigrants, if you can imagine that. So illegal immigrants, illegal aliens are now a totally different class of people. So it'll be easier for people to deal with a mandate if they're not a U.S. citizen, if they come here illegally. And as we said, the United States Postal Service does not have to comply. And they're the ones going to everybody's homes. Okay, now, I hope we can definitely all agree that the Democrats would have reacted totally calmly and completely rationally if President Trump had tried to unilaterally coerce millions of unwilling adults, which, by the way, is disproportionately people of color who have chosen not to be vaccinated. If President Trump had tried to unilaterally coerce millions of unwilling adults to submit to the injection that he pioneered. Remember, these are the same people that said they won't get the Trump injection. Kamala Harris herself said she wouldn't trust an injection, a vaccine pioneered by the Trump administration. So if President Trump had said, I'm going to... For Forget the governors, I'll get them out of the way. 
I'm going to force everybody to take this vaccine. Can you imagine what would have happened? Notice, and this is important, notice how every COVID case and death was somehow President Trump's fault when he was the president. But now every COVID case and every COVID death isn't Biden's fault. It's the fault of the unvaccinated. These people aren't serious and they think you're dumb and they're brainwashing you. And the country is falling for it because it is fed fear every day from the mainstream media who doubles down on what comes out of the White House and the White House doubles down on what comes out of the mainstream media. Because they think you're dumb. And unless and until you accept that they think you're dumb, your eyes aren't going to be open. So don't be dumb. Understand what they're doing. These people aren't serious. It's all political. And I will leave you with this point on this topic. Are you familiar with the term wag the dog? There was a great movie starring Dustin Hoffman years ago called Wag the Dog. What's the wag the dog moment in politics? The wag the dog moment is always let's do something to take away from a crisis situation so everybody turns their attention to this. This is Biden's wag the dog moment. See, in the past, when something is going wrong for an administration, Bill Clinton was famous for this. Whenever something was going wrong in the Clinton administration, they'd bomb something somewhere in the Mideast. Then all the focus would be on the bombing of the Mideast. In the movie Wag the Dog, they started a war to get the attention away from a crisis that the White House was having. That's what's happening here. This is the wag the dog moment. Afghanistan was a disaster. They abandoned Americans. They abandoned our allies. People are being slaughtered. People, Americans are unable to leave Afghanistan. They left Americans behind. This is a disaster. China is going to get Bagram Air Base, which we built and protected for 20 years that you paid for. China is going to get its hands on the richest supply of lithium in the world to build batteries for electric cars that they want to push on you. This is a PR disaster in Afghanistan. And this is Biden's wag the dog moment. If you think this is about COVID, if you think this is about being legal, they know this isn't legal, but they're going to keep you scared. They are going to make sure that the focus is on the unvaccinated. Well, wake up. If you're vaccinated, you're good. Live your life. You get in your car every day. You drive down the highway. You have a great chance of getting killed. But you get in your car and you drive down the highway. That's how life works.
COVID's not going anywhere. But as long as they can make sure that the flow of money and the ability to control and the leveraging of power is tied to COVID, those COVID trackers are going to be shown on CNN every single day. It's going to keep you scared. It's going to keep you willing to give up your civil liberties. And believe me, you will never get them back. We have some callers on the line. We will get to you. I appreciate you being patient. This is a very important topic this morning. And I hope my guest and my diatribe has helped you to understand what is truly going on here in the United States of America. We are in dark days, my friends, very dark days. And people are just allowing it to happen. This is the Upfront Program on 1380 AM, 99.FM, WNRI. And we'll be right back after this. Time out for Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs reintroduces flip-flop wines. And listen to this. We have two bottles of flip-flop for $10, including Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Pink Moscato, Regular Moscato, Chardonnay, and Pinot Grigio. Again, two bottles for $10. Mix and match. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California in six varieties, including Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and Moscato choices. And yes, it's two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyard's quality wine experiences. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light, 30-pack, 2647 plus tax. New hours for the convenience of customers, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily. So, for a great selection of beer, wine, and spirits, you can count on Champs Liquors, 481 Clinton Street. Have a question? 765-1800 and speak to Mike the Manager. The go-to place for authentic Italian dining is Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. Over 20 Italian dishes made to order from our menu or experience our Sicilian-style pizza. Build your own while you choose from your veggies, meats and cheeses, and of course our traditional family-style chicken dinner is offered every day. Savini's Pomodoro on Rathbun Street with affordable accommodations for weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, and business meetings. Close Mondays open Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays at noon. For reservations, call 762-5114. That's 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, 476 Rathbun Street, Woonsocket. The fall real estate market is booming. If you're interested in selling your house, well then call my friend Marge Jacob now, a broker with Remax Town and Country. With 47 years experience in real estate, Marge understands real estate laws. And that, let me tell you, is very important. As a lifelong resident of Woonsocket, Marge knows the area. Since 1973, Marge has worked hard for her clients. And she continues to do so today. And when you call Marge, she always returns your calls promptly. Do you want to sell your house? Well, then strike while the iron is hot. Call Marge Jacob of Remax Town and Country today at 529-0831. 529-0831. Marge Jacob, broker, 47 years experience, and always there for you. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. And let's get back to the panel, which is me and you. 
Of course, you. I always say that a talk show is only as good as the callers, and uh, I didn't even give the numbers this morning, and I already have the lines popping over here, 766-1380, 769-0600. I have to tell you, I have a lot more to get to, something that's really, really, really bothering me that I need to talk about. So I'm going to get to these calls, we're going to get through them quick, and then I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on here in the United States of America, because you need to know that when it comes to race, these people are not serious. Good morning and welcome to the Upfront Show. Um, listen, I'm not going to take up your time. I think we're preaching to the choir and to repeat. If we're going to repeat these facts, we've got to do it a lot quicker because there are a lot of other things to talk about. One of which is what what um, Biden is doing to the, the Trump appointees to the, uh, the uh, military academies. It's just another way to change the military. This country is in serious trouble. I'm not going to take up any more of your time because, as you said, there are a lot of things. Well, I have one question for you before you go. Did you yeah, see right. did you see Kaylee McEnany's letter to Joe Biden? No, I did not. All right. So just so you know, and what our caller is talking about, there are a number of Trump appointees to the boards of the different naval insta I mean the different military installations, the Air Force Academy, the Naval Academy. Yeah, uh, we know them. Right. Well, I'm just saying that because the, 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 the callers may not know what, what's going on. I mean, the, the, the listeners. And so because of these appointees, our, our Trump appointees to these boards, they're all being told resign or we're going to remove you. Now, which is yeah. ridiculous because there are still Obama uh, appointees on these boards, right? Uh, Trump never tried to get rid of these people, but of course Biden is. And Kaylee McEnany sent a letter to Joe Biden said, I won't be resigning, but you should. So take a look oh, at that I letter. I thought that was Kellyanne Conway. I didn't think it was Kaylee McEnany. So I, one of them, uh, th those are two women with more balls than a lot of men have. I but agree. Yes. And here's something I didn't know, and I'm going to be fast. They, there's a third from Senate, a third from the House, and a third from the President. I didn't know that. And they're all overlapping so that they purposely did it so that there would always be different political uh, people with viewpoints on there. I didn't know that till this morning. So, and not only that, but this has never been done in the history of the entire country. Wake up, people. A wolf in sheep's clothing. The wolves are at our doors. And you better be willing to stand up for what you believe in and resist. This is, this is beyond. And I remember when an ex-friend of mine, and I call her ex-friend, she wrote a letter to the Providence Journal blaming Trump for 300,000 deaths. And I, I don't... I, that just was the end of my communication with her. Unfortunately, we go to the same church once in a while, um, so I have to at least be civil. But uh, there's no phone calls, there's no conversations. I'm done with these people. We, this is a time for us to say, no, this is a war. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I agree with the caller. Just understand something. President Biden is every single thing that they accused President Trump of being. They said Trump was a tyrant. He wasn't. They said Trump's mental capacities were somehow compromised and maybe they should look at the 25th Amendment. 
If Trump had done what Biden did yesterday, their hair would be on fire. If Trump was the way that he was with the press and, and, and the, way that he, the way that Biden is with the press and the way Biden is without taking questions and always saying, well, they don't let me do this or I'm supposed to do this, they would remove him. But they're letting, unfortunately, this elderly gentleman who is rapidly declining cognitively to remain in this position. But that's because he's being run. He's but a puppet for the swamp. President Trump was America first, and they hated it. Good morning, and welcome to the Upfront Show. Good morning, I'll be quick. Three quick comments. Whenever he starts his uh, presentation, he always says uh, what previous administration uh, supposedly left them with burdens to straighten out. The second thing is, he said companies with 101 employees or more have to give paid time off for anybody going for a vaccination or if they have to take anybody for a vaccination. And he said, I'll make sure you get paid. And then the third thing is, he thinks he's got so much power. How is he going to remove governors? This guy, <laughs> well, <laughs> a lot, to, lot wrong with them, I think. Well, Cola, just remember, just remember that when President Trump said that he was going to put up a border wall in states that at the time Arizona had a, a Democratic governor, uh, New Mexico had a Democratic governor, and he said he was going to put up, use the federal powers to put up border walls in those states. And of course, they're Democrats, so they're fighting border walls, they're fighting secure borders and secure nations, that President Trump said, no, well, we're going to do it anyway. They called him a tyrant. They said he was a tyrant. But this guy says, well, we're going to get those governors out of the way. And what do you hear from the press? Crickets. How can you think you have that much power? Something wrong with him. Have a good day. Thank you for the call. Good morning and welcome to the Upfront Show. Yeah, you make a, you make a good point about all these people being kicked out by Biden. And I'm going to say, I've said this before. When Trump came in, he tried to, he came in like it was a business. The people were in place doing the job. He left them in place doing his job. And that was his biggest mistake, because I've had friends at work tell me, well, if Trump's so good, then how come this guy who works for him and this agency is against him? How come this one? Because he kept them on. His biggest problem was he should have realized they were going to attack him. He should have got rid of every single one of them. And when he does get in again, I pray to God that he's smart enough to take every one of these operatives that he can replace and get rid of them and put his own people in. Forget about them doing their job. No, so, I, agree. I agree with you. And uh, I think that, you know, and I thank you for the call. I think one of the things that President Trump didn't do was get rid of the Obama holdovers when, when in the administration. And I think he tried to extend that olive branch. And I think that they only, you know, he, he certainly one of the problems that Trump did were some of his hires uh, that, that he did. He, he, he hired and appointed some pretty swampy people uh, from the GOP. And that didn't help him. And also, he got he kept some Obama holdovers, and that didn't help him. So, uh, I agree with you, and I think that uh, the, that much different than than the boards and the appointees 
where there are always holdovers from previous administrations. I think the Trump administration definitely fell down on a couple of their appointments, and I don't think that mistake will be made again. So here we are. It's Friday morning, and I have to ask you, have you heard anything about Larry Elder? Do you even know who Larry Elder is? You should. You should be knowing who Larry Elder is because it should be run on every newscast, in every paper, and everywhere in the U.S., but it's not. Why not? And what am I talking about? Well, let me back up for a second. There's a recall election in the state of California, a recall election to recall Governor Gavin Newsom, who's just destroyed the state of California with liberal policies. So there's a recall in the state of California. And I'm sure they're going to cheat their asses off in a way to make sure that he wins. There's no doubt that there's going to be wide-scale voter fraud going on in California to keep a Democratic governor in place. However, there's a mechanism in California to remove the governor by recall, and there's an individual on the ballot to replace the governor by the name of Larry Elder. Larry Elder is a guy that I've known a long time. In fact, he's been carried on this radio station. Great radio and TV personality, but he's different. And why is he different? He's a conservative black man. He's a Republican. He's running as a Republican for governor of California, and he's a conservative. Now, why does this matter? Well, the other day, he was in California campaigning, walking, and all of a sudden, a group of white individuals, liberal individuals, came and assaulted his campaign staff. And even worse, a white woman, a white woman, wearing a gorilla mask, threw eggs at Larry Elder. But you don't know anything about that, do you? And that's the point. These people aren't serious, okay? When the race hustlers talk about racism, systemic racism, and the constant barrage that white people are bad and racist and critical race theory in all of these things. But yet you hear nothing about what happened to Larry Elder. Understand why. Because it doesn't matter and it's not about race. It never was about race, okay? The LA Times, the LA Times, where this occurred, okay, put a story up very recently talking about the Jungle Cruise ride at Disney, saying the Jungle Cruise ride at Disneyland developed a reputation for racist depictions of indigenous people as tourist attractions, attackers or cannibals, tribal caricatures crafted through a colonialist lens. The updated ride changes that. That's a headline from the LA Times. Here's the other he headline from the LA Times. Larry Elder cut short Venice homeless encampment tour after hostile reception. Hostile reception, okay? Now, 
I'm sure you heard about the Jesse Smollett attack that happened in Chicago where Jesse Smollett, a gay black man that's on the show Empire on Fox, was supposedly attacked by two white men in a MAGA hat. And Matt, they were both wearing MAGA hats, two white men, and they put a noose around his neck and threw flour on his face. Guess what? That never happened. Jesse Smollett made it up. It was, he is actually facing criminal charges for that. But the news was wall to wall on this story. Kamala Harris spoke of it. Oprah spoke of it. Uh, Stacey Abrams spoke. They all spoke of it. What about Larry Elder? The fake attack story about Jesse Smollett was in the media for months. And yet a real racist attack by a white person against Larry Elder is not a story. These people are not serious. Now understand this. Let's do the story over again. Let's do a different story. Stacey Abrams walking down the street in L.A., and a white Trump supporter in a gorilla mask throws eggs at her. Kamala Harris walking down the street in L.A. And a white Trump supporter in a gorilla mask throws eggs at her. Michelle Obama, same thing. Imagine Larry Elder was just a Democrat. Same guy. Black man. Running for governor. Democrat and a Trump supporter in a gorilla mask threw eggs at him. Let me tell you what would be going on. The story would have been nonstop, nonstop. Van Jones would have been crying on CNN. Don Lamont would have been crying on CNN. They all would have come out talking about how this has to stop. And it would have been all about demonizing the Trump supporters, how they're all white, racist, and white supremacy, and the conversation goes on and on and on. But these race hustlers aren't serious. Al Sharpton would have been out there raising money, flying around on his private jet, making appearances. Hasn't said a word. Right here in Rhode Island, you haven't heard Black Lives Matter or any of these African-American reps or senators say a word about this? Why? Because Larry Elder's a Republican. So it doesn't matter. It's not real racism because he's a Republican. You see how that works? They think you're dumb. They treat you like you're dumb. And they only program you with what they want you to be programmed with. That's why you don't know about Larry Elder. That's why you haven't heard about this story. That's why it's not all over the news. That's why they write the papers the way they write them. That's why they cover the stories the way they cover them or don't cover them. Understand something. When they say, when female legislators say, we believe women, we believe victims, that only means we believe Democrat victims. We only believe Females who accuse Republicans, who who accuse conservatives, those are the only people we believe. We don't believe Republican conservative women who accuse Democrats. No, we don't believe them. Believe all women means believe liberal women. Okay? When Governor Northam 
of Virginia appears in blackface in his yearbook and does not have to resign. But I can assure you, if Ron DeSantis of Florida, in his college yearbook, appeared in blackface, they would have gone full metal jacket against the guy. The press, the president, everybody would have gone crazy. You know, I thought about this the other day. I was thinking about Sarah Palin. I'll bet that you think Sarah Palin was dumb. You know why you think that? You think that because that's what they told you she was. And they made fun of her. I remember the night that Sarah Palin gave her acceptance speech at the Republican National Convention. I was literally in tears because I felt finally someone who was like a real person. A woman who was pro-God, pro-gun, pro-life, pro-family, pro-small government. Someone who's real is being nominated. She was the governor of Alaska. She got the big oil companies to pay residuals to every single Alaskan citizen. She went after the oil companies. I read her book right off the bat, loved it. The woman is a highly intelligent woman. But do you know why they said she was dumb? They said she was dumb because they don't like that. Because the feminist movement doesn't apply to conservative women. They don't want women who are pro-family, pro-life, pro-God, pro-gun. They're to be feared and destroyed. So the press made sure that you thought she was dumb. That's what they do. Got to take a quick break. I'll be right back here on 1380 AM, 99.FM, WNRI. Time out for Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs reintroduces flip-flop wines. And listen to this. We have two bottles of flip-flop for $10, including Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Pink Moscato, regular Moscato, Chardonnay, and Pinot Grigio. Again, two bottles for $10. Mix and match. Still on sale. Tisdale Wines from California in six varieties, including Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and Moscato choices. And yes, it's two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyard's quality wine experiences. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light, 30-pack, 26.47 plus tax. New hours for the convenience of customers, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily. So, for a great selection of beer, wine, and spirits, you can count on Champs Liquors, 481 Clinton Street. Have a question? 765-1800 and speak to Mike, the manager. Inside or outside dining, or your favorite pickup order from Grumpy's Restaurant in Bellingham. Open seven days a week with a great luncheon menu and a full menu from burgers to steaks to seafood and mouth-watering Italian dishes, including pizzas, on one of the best menus in the area. Hungry today or tonight? Come in and enjoy friendly service, reasonable prices, and great food at Grumpy's. Call ahead for pickup or to place a reservation to dine in at 508-883-0101. Grumpy's Restaurant, 190 Pulaski Boulevard in Bellingham. Grubhub delivery is available. 
at the CPA firm of Kayer Caution. We believe in the value of relationships. We view every client relationship like a partnership and truly believe that our success is a result of your success. We're committed to providing close personal attention to our clients. We take pride in giving you the assurance that the personal assistance you receive comes from years of advanced training and technical experience. Dedicated and trusted for over 30 years. For Kayer Kosher, certified public accountants with offices in Warwick at 732-8900 and Woonsocket at 766-8100. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. And we're back with the panel. We have very little time left. I'm going to get to the calls right now. Lightning round, please let me know what you think real fast. Good morning and welcome to the Upfront show. John, so I will say this that in the last election, we talk about, you know, Democrats come out and say, you know, we, we care about minorities and giving chances to minorities. Just in our last election, there was a black gentleman named Alan Waters who ran against Jack Reed as a Republican. As you said, race hustlers, if the Democrat Party was real, they would have said, hey, you know what, Jack Reed, step aside and give your place to a black person. I mean, we, we could have had a black man representing us in the U.S. Senate. The Democrat Party fully backed the powerful. Rather than go for the guy, the success story, um, the Republican, and which just proves how fraudulent they really are. They're completely full of it. I mean, they, they went for the rich millionaire white guy from Jamestown because... He can rake in the money for their donations. The Democrat Party could have said, hey, you know what? We're not going to support our candidate this time because we care about affirmative action and giving black people the at-bats that they didn't get in the past. They Absolutely. didn't do it. They didn't do it. They're frauds. They're frauds. I couldn't agree more, and thank you for the call this morning. I have to apologize. We're out of time. I was trying to get to the other calls. Couldn't do it. Look, here's the reality. Racism only exists when it's one side. Victimhood exists only when it's one side. Feminists exists, feminism exists only when it's one side. You have to understand that these people are not serious people. They're just not. Thank you for the time. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Open your eyes. Understand what's going on. Understand they think you're dumb. What they're feeding you and why. Please. Do your own investigation, look at multiple media sources, and you will be educated. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.